Welcome to the Side Talks Podcast, the official podcast of the Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema and Film Festival. Are you, are you giving a tour? I'm trying to sound very professional. Okay, yeah. I I'm like not it. I like sing. it. This is a good direction. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to be a smartass. I feel like you do this from time to time, though, and inevitably the, the wheel this swings back not. around. This time I'm not. All right. This time I'm not. Okay. I'm I'm keeping it real. I'm like one of those individuals who stands on top of the double-decker bus in New York and just tells facts about Times Square and other shit. Here is a street where Sex in the City once filmed. Let's go down the block and I'll show you another street where Sex in the City once filmed. Exactly. Yeah, they've, they've, I've been on a bus tour like yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, this is a podcast, not a bus tour. Uh, though if you look to your right... No, don't do that. Keep your eyes on the road. I don't know where you are. Um, let's just talk let's about keep it professional. Let's, let's keep it professional. All right. All right, let's go. Big, big bucks. Today's my day. Let's go. Big bucks. No whammies. No whammies. Big bucks. Big bucks. Here we go. Stop. It's kind of like fast film terms, but more, I don't know. It's like a little closer. The sounds are closer together. Yeah. Uh because it's many lightning strikes? That's right. Perhaps it's the mighty god Thor with his hammer, Mjolnir. Yeah, it's many lightning strikes as opposed to a, a, a vocabulary word flying across the room. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? This is the lightning round, That's Corey. right. And we're not talking about the mighty god Thor, but we are talking about an actor who, well, he's never been in a Marvel movie, actually, so never mind. Not a good Skip setup. Skip that reference. Um, we're... I was trying to bridge the two, and it just doesn't work. Well, just bridge work. it from the last podcast. Um, we talked about Say Anything in a previous podcast. That's true. And uh, in our brand new segment. And today, we're going to go back to an old standby segment, The Lightning Round. And we're going to talk about the films of John Cusack. Obviously, not a director. Uh, a, a, a prolific actor, if I remember right. Very prolific. Very close to 100 titles on that IMDb. Not making theatrical motion pictures anymore mostly stuck in the john travolta directive vod yeah. action realm it's not good i come on john what's up so you go ahead and and lead off with okay the um, first question a movie that you love uh, a movie that i love that stars john cusack yep. well i'm just gonna go ahead and get out of the way and say uh say anything you know yeah. we just talked yeah, about we just talked and, about and i think it's great the Grifters, as you know, is on my uh-huh. in my top twenty list, and I think it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, and you know, being John Malkovich is also terrific. I don't, I don't have any complaints about any three of those films, and so I'm gonna. Those are ties. Those are three ties. Well, Malkovich is mine, obviously. Okay. Okay. Because um, that's the direction I'm gonna go. I, I'm, I, I love Spike Jones. I love Charlie Kaufman, and I kind of think that Malkovich is Cusack's best performance. I think you're probably right. Um. He's such a weasel. It's 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 so different than his other stuff. Yeah. There is he's one of those actors that I know how you love it. I don't. Where there is kind of a connection between all of the characters. There's not. It's not a big huge leap from one character to he another. He mostly has a type. the The high fidelity character is. I mean, if you squint, it's it's not dissimilar to something like somebody that Lloyd Dobler might be. In, totally. You know. Totally. Ten years later. Um, same with Gross Point Blank. I mean, it's basically the same character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Malkovich, he he kind of plays a, l- a little against type. Um, yeah. He's he's kind of the the doe eyed, sad loner character, of course. 
but as the film progresses, that character gets darker and more sinister, and I think and and more pathetic. Too. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's the most different because even the yeah. grifters could is just Lloyd Dobler with a different mom, a very bad mom. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, in both cases, I think there weren't you know there was issues, right? Yep. But this is a particular type. Of, this is Ange- when Angelica Houston's your mom. It's a particular vibe there, man. Yeah, bad vibes. Um, so, yeah, uh, when he's great, I think he's really great. Yeah. He has some low points, too. Oh, some. A lot. There's a lot of shit on that list. Really, post-2000. Oof. To, yeah, the year 2000 or so. You're yeah, in, you're yeah, in yeah. dodgy car- territory sometimes. For sure, for sure. Um, but but some high points after that. So let's, let's talk about some of those uh, that may not be you know, universally adored. Are there any John Cusack movies you like more than most people? Yes. I think I probably like Pushing 10 more really? than most people. That's not the one I thought you were going to go What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to go back to your to your wife, Nikki Kay, and stick up for the paper boy. I haven't seen the paper boy. You got to see the fucking yeah, paper yeah. boy. Heard, oh, to- my you've goodness. Told, you've told me that, and, yeah. I, and it's on my list, and I haven't seen it. So that may replace this once yeah. I've seen it. But I don't think people dislike Pushing 10. I think people haven't really seen it. Is that okay? It's Billy is, Bob Thornton. Yeah, and is Angelina Jolie? Angelina the, Jolie. Is so that's it. where they met. That's where and those started two, exchanging vials that's of the, blood. The most unfortunate yeah. thing that came out of that film was the was the you know the so, union, union between those two people. Not because Angelina Jolie, but Billy Bob with those chompers, like. Ugh. <laughs> oh, oh! So you 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 assign. Um, <laughs> Most of the blame for all of that oh, to Billy 100%, Bob. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I could have seen that coming. You, what? Let me ask y'all. Let me let me turn to Brad and Sam. Who do you blame for that shit show? Angelina Jolie or Billy Bob Thornton? Let's be real. <laughs> Let's be real. Mutually destructive. Yeah. <laughs> I especially with King and Kelly. Especially when you put them together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. That I'm not saying right. that she's to blame. I'm saying that that was a bad situation. A bad combination did not go down well for anybody they fed off of each other yeah, yeah i hear that well you know my friend mel uh langdon who i don't think you ever met no. but mel's a mel's a, a woman of, of very few words but she tells a story about how she went to go see billy bob thornton live at like zydeco well, right when he was when he was doing his musical performance and uh-huh. she goes you know he still wears that vial of blood Oh my god! Does he really? <laughs> this was just a handful of years ago. I mean, oh my yeah, god. he's still trying to. Yeah, I feel like he's still crying in his pillow. He's like that that dude who dated Madonna before she got famous, and now he's like made you know a documentary and you know a podcast and twenty other things about the six months he dated her. Oh, that's Billy, Billy Bob. Bob with Angelina. He's probably still he's probably trying to go raise his kids with her. This isn't a Billy Bob podcast, oh, though it I could know. be. It could be, but could that be. that the the classic sort of viral interview with um, that Canadian sex pest that he did, where yep. he just kind of freezes that dude yep. out, is one of the funniest things I've ever seen yep. in my life. Yeah. Well, anyway, next time you see him, see if you can clock that vial or not. Okay. But that's my answer. Pushing ten. I, yeah, I, sh- I have never seen it. <laughs> we yeah, went through, I think you would down like that it. whole rabbit hole, and I've I, I think you I never actually, seen it, and I haven't seen it in a long time, uh-huh. so I should probably go back and take a look at it. But I actually think you would like it's, it. It's um, stressed out air traffic controllers. Well, right? and it is one of those things where you know I'm always like, hmm, I look at eighteen wheelers, and I'm like, I want to see what that sleeping area looks like. Yeah, I'm not about to go ask a trucker to show me the sleeping area because I know better. Okay, but <laughs> but I do think that there's something really captivating about how the air traffic control shit works. And you get a little yeah. bit of a, a narrative fictional glance at it, but there's obviously some research done here and it is, it is pretty captivating to watch them try to keep 
shit from crashing into each other. Yeah. So um, that's the, one of the parts of the film I liked, but it's enjoyable. I think you might dig it. Cool. Well, I've got kind of a three-way tie for my answer okay. to this question. Um, the first is the Stephen King adaptation 1408, which I think we've talked about yes, and disagreed and I, on. I dislike this film. Uh, I really like this. Um, I think it's it's smart and creepy, and it mostly it's mostly a one-man show for Cusack. For yeah. the bulk of the film, he's um, in that hotel room as creepy things start to happen. There's an extended prologue where he talks to Samuel L. Jackson in an office, though, and that's pretty good, too. Um, I just like this film, but at the same time, I have no recollection of this film whatsoever. It's good. Just okay. implant what, that. I, no, I, no. Incept that no. as your memory. No. Um, okay, the other one is a 2014 oh, or 16, I don't remember when this movie came out, um, Spike Lee movie, uh, Chi- okay. Chirac, okay, uh, where so he's, he's in a small role um, in kind of this ensemble musical take on the Lysistrata that's set in uh, Chicago. It's Look, it's big and brash and let's say questionable in questionable taste sometimes. Okay. But the point is, you know, eventually it's, it's about women who band together as in the Lysistrata and go on a sex strike to protest Chicago gun violence. Um, in again, big Spike didactic spike, um, storytelling, um, right up his alley. Cusack has, I think he's a preacher in the movie who has an extended monologue about, gun violence where essentially spike delivers the thesis of the film gotcha. uh, but it's really compelling and really good I, I it's a big messy movie that i'd love because uh, you know i'm in the tank for spike and speaking of directors i'm in the tank for david cronenberg maps to the stars oh Cusack, really i'm shocked Corey, in I'm a shocked. weird supporting role there in a really weird movie yeah that i like a lot yeah i didn't love it yeah. yeah, that's no, well. Again, nobody else did, oh, I so I get it. There's that's why it landed there. Gotcha. All right, a movie you don't like as much oh, as everybody boy. else. Okay, everybody, get ready to get all pissed off because uh-huh. there's a lot of them, and they are pretty much a tie. I think Gross Point Blank is miserable. That's my answer too. I really dislike it. It's not good. It's not good. I also don't love. Midnight in the Garden, Good and Evil's bad. That's I've never bad seen film. it. That's a bad film. I, I mean, again, people I'm in the tank for. My boy Clint directed it, so I got to watch it I've at some our, point. See our argument about Clint Eastwood. Right. I can't stand this movie. I was I was in college in Savannah when it was shot. Uh oh. And this is a miserable, and it's it's just riddled with continuity errors, just to prove that he's a shit director. I'll watch it one okay. day. Okay. Uh, and I'm gonna say it. Two more that I'm gonna say. These are the ones that are gonna start getting people angry. I think he's terrible and miscast in Love and Mercy. Oh, no, 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 no. He's amazing in Love Sam, and Mercy. Oh, my God. He's terrible. No. I don't uh-uh, believe that's Brian uh-uh, Wilson. Uh-uh. Not for a fucking second, no, Corey. Not for a fucking second do I believe that's as, Brian Wilson. He's not as good as, as Paul Dano Paul, is in that movie. Paul Dano is, you believe him as a young Brian Wilson. I do not believe for one second that Cusack does that. How does that even make any fucking the sense? The resemblance Cast is not unknown. there, but Cast the spirit is there. No, the spirit is not there. I love Cast that movie. Unknown. I love Love and Mercy. Okay. I'll fight you on this. I like some things about this film. Mm-mm. I don't like Cusack. He's the he's the weakest link in this thing. Oh, he's okay. wonderful. So we're going to argue that. His performance against Elizabeth Banks in that movie, Elizabeth Banks is so good. Mm-mm, mm-mm. It's awful. No, he's great. He fucks that movie Great up. movie. And... So I knew, I told you, I told you you're going to get riled up. And then here's the one you're going to really get riled up about. I think Better Off Dead is stupid. Well, I'm not going to get riled up about this okay. because this is a 
sneaky peek at my next answer, a movie right. I need to rewatch. I actually okay. have never seen Better Off Dead. Oh. So I need to watch that for the first time. Okay. But apparently not because you don't like it. Well, that should really keep you from it. I'll <laughs> yeah, tell you well, what, you I, watch you, it, you'll probably We usually like it. agree. You probably on, will on, like it. You know, we usually have such such corresponding yeah. taste. Um no, I yeah, I've never seen it. I can't proffer an opinion either way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I agree with Gross Point Blank, at least. I don't enjoy that movie. I saw it was kind of talked up and recommended to me as a teenager, and I watched it and I was like, this must be some like Gen X, you had to be there opening night or opening weekend. If to get I it was there, sort of thing. I am Gen X. It's dumb as hell. And it's really unlikable. And it's there are there are more fireworks and chemistry between the carpet here and the wall than there is between freaking uh John Cusack and uh Mini Driver. Well, I mean the carpet and the wall are impeccably selected in this room. Yeah. I well, mean, they they match each other beautifully. I'm glad that you're seeing the sexual chemistry between the <laughs> two, but I don't. I'm not seeing it, and I certainly wasn't seeing it on the screen when I watched Gross Point Blank. Well, it's annoying. It's an annoying film too. It's a. It, it's a. It's talk about an eye roll. I mean, the whole time I was like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" It feels. It felt incredibly out of touch when I watched it the first time when it came the fuck out. Well, th- this was a this was a one and done for me as a kid. Uh-huh. So you know, I I can't speak as to it, it in any be. detail, but I didn't like it then. Yeah. Well, um, I you know more common ground there than than I thought. Except Love and Mercy. Okay, a movie of his that you think you need to rewatch. So I'm gonna say The Player. Yeah. Because I don't even remember him in it. He's in, he's it's a cameo. I mean that movie okay. has so many cameos. It has so many cameos. But I if if I'm looking at that list, what feels the most enjoyable to rewatch right now is The Player. I did rewatch High Fidelity not that long ago because I really liked I don't like much episodic as you're aware. Yeah, but the, and I did like the right. the you Zoe Kravitz. And so I went back and rewatched the film and I got to tell you, rarely does this ever happen, but I think that the more recent episodic series High Fidelity is way more enjoyable and way better than the film with the exception of the fact that man, oh man, I think I, for whatever reason, it's as if I've taken a drug. I cannot not laugh at Jack Black in this. Yeah, he's great. And I will watch this with people, and I'm laughing my ass off at Jack Black, and they're like, "What and is wrong with you?" And I, he's not funny. I'm like, he to me, he is so hilarious in this. I I loved High Fidelity as a young person. It's I haven't seen it in too. a while, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if if that's a that's one I'm aching to revisit. Yeah, I mentioned I hadn't seen Better Off Dead. That seems like the most obvious one I need to see. I also, especially given my love for for Nick Cage, need to revisit Con Air one of these days. Yeah, that's a fun one. And and put Pushing Town on your list because I think you should take a look. Yeah, and um, I love Bullets Over Broadway. Oh man, Sam. I love it. Bullets over fucking Broadway just got mentioned. I You're love kidding it. me right now. I love You're it. You're fucking kidding me right now. Okay. I mean, let's I'm not, wrap this up. Let's wrap. This I'm up. not gonna like defend its writer director none, but I love bullets over fucking. Broadway. I think it's hilarious. Let's wrap she, it up. She's really angry about. I mean, this. it's terrible. It's, it's absolutely a, it's a terrible. It's a great movie. Jennifer Tilly in that movie. Diane Weist in that movie. Cusack is fun. I mean, it's great. Whatever. You're angry. I see. Yeah, let's move on. Um, let's move okay. on. Okay. Well, that's the filmmaker lightning round um, on John Cusack. And I, I, we were pretty comprehensive there. And Rachel's yeah. super mad at me. She's not even talking I mean, anymore. I just want this documented. 
That's all. More like bullets over the podcast <laughs> recording right. studio right. because I don't, I don't even know what's say going it because you know we don't have any kind of issues with gun violence in this country. Oh, well, that's true. Uh, that's all a right. whole other podcast, isn't it? Yep. Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker. Uh, uh, of, uh... <laughs> Man, that's weird. Man, that's weird. Love that intro for us that they did at Boutwell. Yep, right? yep. So uh, we talked about Broke Down Palace. That's right. N- 1999 film. Yeah, 1990 yeah, la- or last segment that you were here when we did this when you were here was yeah. Broke Down Palace, I think. And so I... What I didn't mention, I, I got sort of grazed over it because it's a fun, while you're traveling internationally, fun to watch because, you know, you know the premise here, right? Two young women end up in a, in a Thai prison based very loosely on an, a true story. Right. And boy, they don't get – when you start watching this thing, you're like, well, surely they'll be in there six months. Nine, no, the years drag on in yeah. this Thai prison. And what I didn't mention is that Bill Pullman is in this. He I plays think the attorney. I knew that. He plays a bit of a sketchy attorney um, okay. that kind of gets pulled back and forth between being sketchy and being on the up and up and having sympathy for these two young women. Who, we might have mentioned this during our, our Bill Pullman lightning round. I think we did. Yeah. And so we had a Bill Pullman. And so this is – I want to make a connection to Bill Pullman here okay. and also talk a little bit about Broke Down Palace. Because okay. I think you'll be interested in a few things about this film that are a little interesting and unique and, dare I say, weird. So Claire Danes, just so you know, has been banned – for ent- from entering the Philippines, banned. That band is still in place. Really? Yes. Because, so this film, Broke Down Palace, was filmed, this is where it gets complicated, uh-huh. was filmed in the Philippines uh-huh. for Thailand because of the unfavorable portrayal of Thailand. So Thailand was like, hell no, you can't come make a movie about how shitty Thailand is. But the Philippines were like, oh, come make a movie about how shitty Thailand is. Yeah, We've got yeah, no yeah. issue with that whatsoever. And by the way, this film, Broke Down Palace, is banned in Thailand. Of course. And Claire Danes is banned from the Philippines. She, when you know, when doing press for the film, went on and on about the rats and the roaches and the nastiness and the heat and the filth. Uh-huh. And she did say a number of times, I, I this is not about the people or the place. This is about my experience having you know lived and worked in this prison facility. And that wasn't good enough. The, they, they said, no, you can't come here. We want an apology in order for us to release the ban. Wow. She, she did do the apology. So I'm so sorry. And, you know, no disrespect meant. And they still said, no, that apology wasn't good enough. <laughs> that apology sounded like it was written by a press agent. No Claire Danes in the Philippines. Wow. So if she was hoping to visit or honeymoon there or whatever, or do one a might season do, of Homeland yeah, there. Yeah, it's not happening for her. Okay, Jeez. it's not happening for her. So there's that. And then to make another connection with, I would say, prior a prior segment, but we love to bring her up. Uh-huh. Pretty consistently we bring her up. Jennifer Love Hewitt. She comes up a lot. Comes up for, for a person who really has no impact on my life whatsoever or <laughs> any of my concerns or cares other than I did like Party of Five. Sure. That was a fun one to watch. She sure does come up a lot, but she was considered for the role of Darlene, which ended up going to Kate Beckinsall. Okay. Uh, yeah. And she had to turn it down. Jennifer Love Hewitt had to turn it down due to scheduling conflicts. So what in the hell was going on with her in 98, 99, do we think? Was I that? Mean, I know what you did last summer. Was that? Yeah, yeah, that was they're riding that post scream wave, right? So that movie probably came out in '98. I bet that was what um, it was. 
Was Party of Five still on? Party of Five, I think, was still in the air. Maybe not, though. I'll have to look. Maybe another retraction here. Another Jennifer. What? It just gives us another excuse to bring Jennifer Love Hewitt, her body is a wonderland, up again on the oh, podcast. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to look up what her work output around that time was. I mean, she could have just passed on it. Like, you know, scheduling conflicts, i.e., I don't want to go to the Philippines. That's true. Um, but they are, they, are, they are quoting her with scheduling conflicts. 98, she – okay – I know what you did last summer came out in 97, but okay. 98 she has Can't Hardly Wait, and I still know what you did last right. summer. So she's probably pretty busy around that that corridor. Uh, let me also just pause for a second to give some praise to the sequel titles. I know what you did last summer. I still, <laughs> still know, know what, what you, you did, did last, last summer. summer. And then my favorite, you know what the third one's called, right? Uh, I will I, always oh my know what you did last summer. Of course. I am looking forward to a fourth one that, you know, any incarnation of... Of any level of that would be wonderful. And I can confirm that Party of Five was still on the air. Okay. So, so I mean, that's probably fair. Yeah. That's a lot to schedule. That's a lot, right? to, that's schedule. a lot to schedule. And we still know what you did that summer. Paul Walker is also in this film, uncredited. R.I.P. The great yes, Paul Walker. The great Paul Walker, uncredited in this Why film. Why is he uncredited? I do not know, but he's not in it much. I mean, okay. he's, he plays one of the boyfriends at the beginning of the film, and then they end up visiting her in prison. Gotcha. I mean, he's in it for altogether... 80 seconds, maybe, probably. And so I don't know why. This is directed by, just interjecting here, directed by Jonathan Kaplan, who directed the many, many accused, things. Accused, right? The, a lot of shit, a lot of bad stuff. But yes, uh, Over the Edge uh-huh. and The Accused. And that's really kind of all it's worth mentioning, in my opinion. But here's the part that gets the weirdest and maybe the most unsettling. Okay. Other than the fact that this is based on a somewhat True story. I mean, the the difference being that they really, they really paint the young woman in this to be fairly unknowing and innocent. Mm-hmm. That they end up hooking up with this scoundrel dude, but because he's got like a British accent, he's you know. You really can't very taken trust by, you, men yeah. with British accents. Well, you, the problem is, you know, it's a panty dropper. So mm. you know, all of a sudden, you you're talking to a young British man at a resort, and next thing you know, you're in a Thai prison because he snuck some coca into your bag. It and happens, apparently Corey. your panties drop. It happens. Um, so anyway, apparently the women were much dodo ear. Mm. Is that a word? Uh, much dumber in, in real life than the IRL, right? Than they were in the film. And pretty much, it seemed like they probably knew what they were doing. I see. Okay. But here, here's the thing. The pri- this is what's more important than whether or not the characters in the film were stupid. The prison scenes were shot inside wait for the name of this you're going to love this the prison scenes were shot inside the sanctuary center for psychotic female vagrants wow which if we ever open a club together that's what we're <laughs> going to fucking call it and in order to shoot this it's not like they cleared the prisoners out of there uh-huh. they came in and they erected a wall down the down the middle of the grounds okay and filming took place on one side of the wall on the other side of the wall they just crowded all of the inmates together and they just went about their business on the other side of the wall good gracious and so a lot of actors have talked about having to do multiple takes because people were howling and screaming and that some people who were incredibly disgruntled because they were overcrowded would uh, on occasion throw feces over the wall i mean they're psychotic female vagrants (laughs) so oh man it stands to reason and that sounds horrible that's so that's so Inhumane, like fucking build a set. Yeah. Here's the insult to injury. Uh-huh. 
oh, this thing flopped. Yeah. It failed to make back even half of its $25 million budget. Oh, people weren't into going to see the super <laughs> chill Thai prison movie? Hey, I did. I went to see it. I saw this thing in the theaters. I've st- yeah, Like I, I think I've said, I, I've still never seen it. Um, uh, you, sh- you should catch it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's worth a few minutes. I, again, I really highly recommend waiting until like Kathleen's doing one of her international trips and being like, hey, you know what we should watch on the eve before you take an international trip? Let's watch Broke Down Palace. Uh, I'm sure she'd appreciate that. Great plane viewing uh-huh I, I have lots of uh, programming suggestions here but anyway um that's i think a good bit of that was weird don't you yeah we'll pretty that. weird yeah. well thank you so much for listening to this episode of side talks we're your own personal cinematic bill murray and mcg yeah do you know about this well i mean no, I guess not specifically, but McGee was the director of Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Joseph McGinty Nickel, which that McGinty is where he gets the McGee, yeah. which just sounds like a weird item on a McDonald's menu. He's a grown man whose professional credit yep. is McGee. Um, so, sure. Well, he claims that Murray straight up headbutted him on set, <laughs> which is kind of awesome, actually. So I will be Bill Murray in this if you'll let me, because I think, think it's pretty terrific. You think Bill Murray was was just like, that's preemptively for We Are Marshall and Terminator Salvation, uh, which are shitty, I will or say will be in the future. He vehemently denies that he ever did this, but also then followed on some talk show, and I don't know how he said it. I didn't hear him actually deliver this line, but he it is in quotes that uh, McGee deserves to die for the allegation. And so here's the thing. You might be guilty of doing what the person said you did if your response is they deserve to die for this. Okay, so here's what's hilarious about this. Bill Murray shoots Charlie's Angels in like, I, that movie came out in 2000. So let's say 1999. Um, and he's so much of a terror on that set that they recast the character of Bosley in the sequel, where <laughs> Bosley's played by Bernie Mac. It's just a, right. a new Bosley. I um, bet Bernie Mac didn't headbutt anybody. I bet he didn't. But it's hilarious to think that this comes in Bill Murray's career between Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums. Right. And just his career being revitalized by by Wes Anderson, uh, being painted, you know, those characters are sad sack characters and like melancholy characters. And he, meanwhile, as the world is getting to re-know him as like this elder, melancholic, darkly comic statesman, he's headbutting motherfuckers. Yeah, and I would like to say he could behave himself on on the Wes Anderson set, but that's also not true. He had a big uh, come apart with Angelica Houston. She claims that he invited the entire cast and crew to dinner except for her. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> like they, they, He was apparently, uh, again, a bit of a terror yeah. uh, on a couple of those sets, but specifically the Life Aquatic, I think. Um, yeah. Sounds but like it. The Royal Tenenbaums was a bad set to be on by all <laughs> accounts because Gene Hackman was screaming at everybody. Yeah, well, we've um, also got to deal with Gwyneth Paltrow on that one. And, you know, there's a lot of goop that comes with that. But up, uh, yeah, we're out of here. Thanks to Batwell Studios. Thanks to Revelator Coffee. Thanks to you for listening. And check us out online at sidewalkfest.com or at sidewalkfilm on social media where you can see information about what we're playing at the cinema 
and what we're screening at the 24th Annual Sidewalk Film Festival. You're going to want to get those passes now if you haven't done that yet. Sidewalkfest.com. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.